All right, what is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. And all right, let's get us caught up. We've been traveling and we've been out of town, but we are back. Missed the episode on Sunday, but we're working on some special stuff for this one. But I was like, you know what? This episode that I'm working on is is basically it's a recap of the Kota Rally, talking with the top three uh, finishers of the event, just getting their race report and how they did and what they thought about the event and how that went along. Well, that is coming up. But this time, this episode, today's episode, episode number 85, we are going to be talking rally knowledge. Okay, here's the deal. We got a lot of rallies coming up. It is rally month. So we've got Baja Rally coming up. Kotar Rally just finished up. You got Rally de Maroc coming up after that. And then Sonora Rally. And then after that, there's a lot of after that in that, right? Uh, Andalusia Rally, maybe mm, canceled. But we got the one that everybody's been shooting for. We've got the one that the American Rally Originals are preparing for. The one where Ricky Brabeck and Skylar Howes and Mason Klein will be headed back to Ace Nielsen, Jacob Bright, all of these guys. Peter Belichick as well, all headed to this one. It is the 2023 Dakar Rally. So in this episode, we're talking rally knowledge. We've got some stuff to drop on you guys so you know what we're listening for when we get all of these race reports. So let's get the party turned down and let's talk a little bit about this. Reason behind the episode today is just really simple. Today's going to be an ec- educational episode. We're going to be talking a little bit about some of the rally stuff, uh, what these guys go through, what we're looking at, you know, what the terminology of it. So really basic episode, something really quick, but I just wanted to drop some knowledge with you guys, uh, talk a little bit about what you guys are going to be seeing over the next few weeks. So let's jump right into it. Okay. All right. So your rally, right? Cross country rally, very simple thing, right? You get a long roll with a bunch of notes that tell you where to go. It's usually multiple days across different terrains, across different parts of the uh, countryside. It could be from one city to the next city. It could be a loop back to the same city. But there are some general things that are always going to be the same. So let's break it down. We're going to break uh, we're going to break down the racing side of it, and we're going to break down the commuting side of it. Right. So we'll start first uh, on the commuting side of it. You have your bivouacs. Bivouacs are basically your campsite, your pit stop, where everybody hangs out. Uh, and, and, you know, bench races, but more importantly, gets ready for the next day or for the first day, depending on what it is. Uh, very, very simple. Those can be remote bivouacs. So out in the middle of nowhere, no services, everything is just contained, or they could be held within a city. They're going to have a, uh, an area where they cordon off. That's where the pits are and stuff like that. You could go to the hotel, depending on where it is, or if it's in the middle of nowhere, uh, factory teams got motorhomes, you know. Uh, the Malamoto guys. So the guys that are doing it all 100% without a, a big factory backing and their own mechanics, they're doing everything themselves. The way this rally originally started, like for instance, the Dakar, you're, that's it. You've got your tent, you've got your gear. That's it. You got to do all of it. So that is a Malamoto class. And then there's basically the rest of it. But anyway, bivouac, right? That is your, your campground. You're going to be hearing that a lot coming and going from the bivouac or in the bivouac or whatever it may be, but that's generally that what they're referring to. So the next thing that you have is still non-racing. This is just, it's considered part of the event and it is a mandatory thing that you must accomplish, uh, mile wise or kilometer wise is going to be the liaison. Liaison is more like commuting, right? You've got your bivouac, you've got a liaison to the start of the of the race uh, or your selective stage or special stage, however you want to say it. Uh, you have a commute to that and then you have a commute from the finish line of that to the bivouac. In some cases, 
the start line is at the edge of the bivouac. You don't have to commute anywhere. In other cases, you're going to have to commute several hundred kilometers before you even get to the start of the time section or the selective stage or special stage. In this case, for the remainder of the episode, we'll just refer to it as the selective stage. So then you commute to that. There is a set of instructions. There's going to be things like speed limits. There's going to be certain waypoints that you have to hit. Generally, they're not masked waypoints. You know, they're not a challenged waypoint. We'll talk more about waypoint types here in a bit once we get into the racing side of it. Uh, but there's generally going to be some rules and, and things that you've got to follow. Now, while it does not count to your overall time, it could cost you time. You can be penalized uh, in these sections for certain infractions. Uh, but mainly, it's just the idea is to get you from one place to the other in a simple commute. It is not timed. It does not count towards your total race time. But you do have penalties that can be associated with it. Rules are simple. It's not anything fancy as, you know, you got to leave the bivouac at a certain time. You got to arrive at the start line at a certain time and you got to obey the rules in between. So generally, if they're on highway, it's usually going to be just uh, the local traffic laws, things like that. You know, the basic stuff. You're not racing on this. Same goes for the finish line, right? It's still called a liaison. Once you finish the selective stage and you got to go back to the bivouac, sometimes the bivouac is right around the corner. Sometimes it's several hundred kilometers to the bivouac from the end of the selective stage. So now that basically covers your outside of the racing thing. Uh, you do have, uh, when you get into the racing side of things, uh, some events will do it, uh, is a prologue. Prologue is basically your qualifying stage. So a prologue is very simple. It's usually a shortened, reduced stage, still some no notes that you have to navigate, but what it's designed to do is get everybody uh, kind of sorted in the groups that they belong, kind of get in a uh, starting order. Generally, the prologue, the time is not counted towards your total time. So in Rally Raid, you have generally you have three types of times, right? You have your uh, prologue, which is generally forgiven, we'll say, is, is, is has no real bearing on the rally itself other than the starting order for the first day. Uh, then you're going to have your selective stage time, which is basically your uh, race time from flag to flag or from the depart selective stage to arrive selective stage. Uh, that is your race time. So that then goes to your cumulative time. So cumulative time now is both your stage time plus penalties uh, and then every stage and penalties after that. So it all starts getting added up. But it's all remember, it's all based on the selective stage time. So those are the times that you get. Uh, there's again, waypoints carry different penalties, things like that. There's different things that you can do and that will cost you, uh, speed zones as well, carry a penalty as well. So, uh, there's a few different things there. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that. So, all right. So what happens, right? So you leave the bivouac, they give you a starting time, uh, for when you have to leave the bivouac, they give you another time for, uh, when you have to arrive to the stage start arriving late, arriving too early could get you into trouble. Uh, so you got to watch out for that. It's all about time management, even though it's not racing. Now you get your three, two, one, and now it's time to go. So now you've got your green flag, your under race pace. Uh, you're going to be navigating the course and, and winning a stage is, is simple, right? Just collect all the waypoints in the safest and fastest way possible. That's how you win a stage unless some things happen. So Typically, what you do, uh, you're going to have your different waypoints. Uh, there's waypoint safeties. There are waypoint eclipse. Uh, and then there is waypoint mast. Uh, 
So waypoint safety is none other than it's it's pointing out, hey, there's something here uh, that we really, really want you. So aside from the using of exclamation points in the road book, they really want you to pay attention to something that's on the ground that could be very, very dangerous. So waypoint safeties will normally uh, will be uh, in the case of the rally comp, you'll get a succession of beeps as you're showing up to it, you know, with a certain warning, uh, a certain set of beeps when you're at it. And then after that, you're scot free and you're good to go. Uh, waypoint eclipsed is basically just a gimme, right? This is just saying, hey, let's get you uh, in the general direction. We're going to give you an arrow to this next kind of major point in the road book. Uh, we just want to make sure you're on the right track, right? Not, you know, nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. Uh, then you have your waypoint mast. So waypoint masks, uh, those are the ones that are, those are the ones you got to hunt for. And those are the ones you got to find. Those are the ones that if you miss them, uh, like some of the others or actually like the others, uh, it's still a waypoint that needs to be made. If you don't make it, you can take a penalty for it. The WPM uh, waypoint mast is the waypoint that's hidden. That's the one you see in the road book, but the rally comp or the device of, from the organization is not telling you where it is specifically until you get to the what they call the open radius. So a open radius is very simple. Open radius is basically says, okay, you're close enough. Now we'll give you an arrow. And that arrow is going to be pointing towards the center of that waypoint that you're trying to collect. Now, the next part that comes in is the make radius. So a waypoint mask has an open radius that gives you the arrow that says, okay, you're in the area. Let's get you an arrow. Let's, let's get you there. And then the make radius. Now, the make radius is basically, okay, I need you to run over this area. And that is going to be where you're where you actually are awarded or credited. Okay, you were here. And that is the important one, because in some rallies, it could be bigger in some rallies. It could be smaller. Some events sometimes have a very specific size for a very specific waypoint that they have on the course. And in general, like with the rally comp is you have like a 30 or 40 millimeter or 40, 30 or 40 meter make radius. So now that remember uh, only gives you so much room to hit that waypoint. So you could be more or less on the right track, but just a little bit too far over and you won't actually make that waypoint. So then what happens is, is if you were within the open radius, the arrow on the rally comp will turn around and now all of a sudden the distance to the waypoint is growing instead of shrinking. So now you're in trouble. Now you got to go back and find it and you got to kind of figure it out. Right. Um, so it's very easy. Um, it's just it just takes a little bit of practice to get a hang of that. So the other ones that you're going to see too a lot, um, which you could have on the uh, liaison, but you'll see on the selective stage is your speed zones. Speed zones are an interesting thing. Speed zones uh, basically are a way of controlling the race pace in a certain section, and that could be for safety. It could be for local uh, traffic, local law enforcement, that kind of thing, uh, or just simply uh, it's an area where they want to slow it down because there could be uh, dangers, oncoming traffic, things like that. So speed zones can happen pretty much anywhere. Uh, the organization chooses to, there's usually some kind of rhyme or reason for it. Speed zone coming into it, uh, depending on the device that you are using, you might have a little bit of leeway as you come in, but it's basically, they've drawn a line in the sand, they've drawn a limit line. And they said on the other side of this line, you have to be doing this speed by there. Now, in some cases, uh, if you're not paying attention, uh, you can blow right. And we've all done it, right? 
Um, especially in California. The California stopped coming up to a light, right? You have the limit line and then you just kind of inch past that and then right into the crosswalk sometimes, right? You, you hit it late. You thought you were going to make the yellow and you just overshot it a little bit. The same thing happens in a speed zone. If you're not paying attention to it, you will cross over that line and instantly get penalties. And it really, really hurts when you're going way too fast. It's one thing if you're one or two kilometers over, you knew it was coming. You just really weren't sure where it was at, uh, but you're able to rope it in really quickly. Likely not going to incur a penalty, but you want to be right on the buzzer. If you completely missed the boat on it and just did not realize that that was coming up, now you've got issues. Because what's going to happen is you're going to cross that line going way too fast and it's going to uh, escalate the penalty that you get. So rather than maybe getting one minute per kilometer, you might be getting three, four and five minutes per kilometer hour over based on the regulation and and what the organization has decided. So a very game, very good game to play is being able to maintain your speeds in a speed zone. So. The speed zone, the fastest way from the beginning to the end of the speed zone is to be on the marker. So if they say it's 30 kilometers an hour, you're able to ride from the beginning to the end exactly at 30 kilometers an hour. Any variation thereof is going to cost you time. So if you're under, if you're over and you want to play that game, you're going to pay for it dearly because usually going over, you incur more penalties than the time you actually gain back. So you don't want to play with that. Uh, but if you are going slow and you're staying under that, you're going to pay for it because you're going to be losing time. So again, in a speed zone, the fastest way through the speed zone is to be right on the money with the with the speed, uh, with the speed limit that's been imposed. Uh, in other forms of racing, I've seen where they're actually taking cars and putting a form of cruise control in them specifically for these reasons. So they can manage their speed exactly to the speed that the regulation or that the organization has set. Uh, that way they make the least amount of time or they spend the least amount of time in that speed zone. So very important with those. I mentioned that a lot. We talk a little bit about that on the speed zone stuff. Because on the next episode where you guys are going to hear the recap from the Kotar Rally speaking to the three different racers uh, that uh, that took the top three at the Kotar Rally here in 2022, uh, you guys are going to hear about speed zones because that is very, very big deal with them. So, all right, speed zones done. You got your waypoints. You hit your speed zones. You got your penalties, whatever. You missed some waypoints or whatever it is. You still navigated your way back to the arrive selective stage so you've now completed the route you've completed your time stops at that section now they're going to calculate the penalties based on that now you have your arrival time you have to get uh checked in at the end of the stage from the end of the stage or selective stage now you have to commute to the bivouac you're going to get it you're going to get your time card again time card gets your arrival time time card gets your destination time at the bivouac and then you're off once again on the commute remember you're no longer accumulating time race time you do have to complete the kilometers but you are uh, able to get your you can get penalized depending on the infraction in that section right in the liaison so very very important so once you're done with that you're back at the bivouac depending on what kind of team you're on you're either getting your massages you're getting some food or you're getting ready to tear the bike apart you're going to be doing uh, your own massaging and you're going to be doing all the stuff on your own if you're more of a malamoto style uh competitor so depends on the class you're running uh or if you're running on a supported team things like that so that is the basic layout of a day in rally 
right? It's there's there's more intricacies, there's more time management, there's strategies and things like that. So let's talk a little bit about the things that we actually get to see in these stages, right? So let's go back to some of the previous Dakar rallies and some of the things that we've seen and noticed and why they become a, uh, an issue uh, or why they are significant in uh, in the stage, in the selective stage, and how they contribute to the race. Well, first of all, uh, something that they've been working on a lot is the the very the dreaded the the Dakar swing or whatever they call it. So, the Dakar swing is is an easy way to describe it. Uh, this happens too in prologues. Is generally rally is all about time management and. The person that opens the stage, which is the first person out, which is usually the previous day's winner, has no tracks to follow. Now, why is that a big deal? You have a map. Well, when you are the one that has to lay down the first track, the next guy doesn't have to be as accurate with his navigation. You don't want to stop navigating altogether, but you don't have to be as accurate, especially if you know the guy in front of you knows how to navigate. Now, the third guy in line now has to be a little less accurate or can be a little less accurate. And then the fourth and then the fifth and then the sixth. So what you end up having is, is that you start to see like in the prologues and in some certain stages, you will see your favorite racer like, hey, yeah, he's leading the stage. And then all of a sudden they get to the end and it was like, oh, I had a mechanical or something happened that cost them time. But it's almost like a very calculated time, like they only lost a few positions. It's an art form, I believe, and it takes practice to do it, to get it right. Um, but I know that the top teams out there must have some kind of way of calculating or the top racers out there have some way of kind of figuring out more or less where they need to be. This is very important because as the stages wear on, you need to put yourself in the best position to make up time, but not have lost a bunch of time. And opening a stage generally will cost you time. And it's not that you're slow. It's just the fact that the guy behind you, if he says he if he sees that you are now from going straight down the road, hung a left and he doesn't see that there's a waypoint at that corner, he could just cut straight across. Now you've just caught half a kilometer off of the course. Well, the shortest distance between the start and the finish, right? Shortest distance between two points. So very important on that one. So you get to see that and the car is working on figuring out a way to kind of limit that as well as other organizations, right? Because it does not put an emphasis necessarily. It penalizes the racers for doing good by having to start uh, at the beginning of the pack or at the front. So there's some stuff there. So they're working on that. Okay. So let's move on to the next thing you, you're going to see likely. And this is usually, especially going into the Dakar uh, this year, uh, previous years, uh, you get to see a lot of what they call HP navigation or horse piste or now known as oft piste or OP. What's significant about that is generally there are no tracks. But wait, if you are the front runner or the second in, in their third or fourth, you know, it depends on how the organization does it. And we'll talk about a in a second about that is now there are no tracks whatsoever. So there is no road. There is no dirt road. There is no faint trail. There is nothing. You are out there bushwhacking, doing your thing. HP navigation costs you time when you deviate from that path, right? If it tells you that your cap heading, right, your compass heading has to be 320 degrees, 
you have to stay on 320 degrees. You can vary a little bit, but you always kind of have to come back to it. And it's going to give you a distance, right? You know, uh, 48 kilometers at 320 degrees, which would be a killer section because that's a long way to go and to be on that 320. So that is what makes HP navigation difficult is because there's generally no tracks to follow and you have to kind of be on a narrow. You have to be focused on what your cap heading is and then if you have to go around something, you have to be conscious of, okay, I went around this. Now I need to be back on track. So did I add, did I take away? There's, there's management that needs to occur there, but it's very, very important. And that's what makes that difficult. So once you get the hang of it, a lot of racers, there's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of techniques and things like that, that will help you, uh, get better at it. And it's just a matter of practicing it, right? Like anything else, just like riding on the buzzer at a certain speed limit, uh, on a bike that doesn't have cruise control, uh, is, is just practice. That's, it is what it is. You know, there's no other way around it. Just like reading a road book, right? It's all it takes is practice. So that is something we will see. You can see, uh, you know, big dunes, small dunes, things like that can make a very big difference in HP navigation. If you're constantly picking the line that has all the big dunes in it and the other guys picking the shorter dunes because he can see where you were, there's going to be time made up there. So you got to watch out for that. So the next thing we see, and and we've seen this a few times across the different stages, we've seen people have their get offs, right? They've gotten off the bike. They've, they've just, it's been gnarly. And so it's, it's bound to happen. It is racing. It's still people trying to go fast on motorcycles. So no matter how you slice it, it's going to happen. So let's talk a little bit about that. What happens when you are riding and you go down? Right. You go down. You don't know which way is north, which way is south, which way is up or down. I mean, you've you've been tossed and turned around. So now you got to figure out, OK. I am OK. I think I'm OK, whatever it may be, or you're on the ground checking yourself. There's really not a lot to it. You're, it is what it is. Now, the organizations usually have a way of tracking that. And what will end up happening is if you're there for long enough, your speedometer will show up at zero. It'll report back as not moving. And then all of a sudden bells and whistles start going off. So. The next guy in line, right? The next competitor in line, when it is a medical thing, they are the ones that are required to stop, right? They're required to stop and render aid. Now, mind you, that is in mechan- or in medical situations. In mechanical situations, they're there as a good Samaritan. They don't have to stop, but it is a racer favor because, well, we know how it happens sometimes. Murphy's Law. You don't, you, they help you now, but two kilometers down the road, you may need to help them because they, you know, broke something or, or got off and, and need some help or whatever it may be, right. Or a tow back to the bivouac or, or something like that. In years past, we would see teams, you know, relaying tires and things like that, where they would take, give up their good rear wheel, uh, in hopes that the next guy, you know, would, would do the same, uh, on the team, but basically just to keep the front runner of the team running up front. So there's there's been different strategies and stuff like that. And again, it's all fair game because they're within uh, they're within the regulation. They're within their team. So or they are not a outside assistance. Right. It's not a spectator. It's not a mechanic or anything like that. They are competitors on the course. So what happens there? Right. So someone pulls up. There is a protocol. Usually it's, you know, putting the bike a certain way at a certain distance, uh, you know, hitting the the man down or if it's a sentinel, whatever it is, alerting the organization to it. There's a few different things that go on with that. Now, where that comes in and you think like, oh, man, well, this is going to be huge. Right. So what happens with the time? It's all about time and rally. So when you go to a medical situation like that and you are the first rider there. 
when you arrive, basically you're, you've pressed or you've done some kind of thing of contacting the organization. You're collecting the rider. There's a lot of little moving pieces to it, but your time is accounted for uh, in medical situations. So what will happen is, is uh, at the end, right, uh, the rider that stopped, uh, if they were the one that were there the whole time or whatever it is or part thereof, uh, the rider that was stopped there uh, will report back, you know, filed basically an incident report. And then usually the organization, and this is at least what we would do with, with uh, at Baja Rally, my time as race director, is we would cooperate that with the person that was injured. So once the person is injured, yes, okay, all right, cool, let's take a look at it. So then in, in the case of the rally comp unit, which I really enjoyed this, um, and we'll talk about that here in just a sec, is you go in, pull the files off the rally comp, and then you can go and you can look up the coordinates and then you can see what the speed was. And then you can tell down to the second how long they were there at that spot. So in in instances, uh, nine out of 10 times as racers, uh, 30 seconds feels like 30 minutes. And so usually they'll say, well, I was there for like an hour. And then you go in and look and then, no, actually it was 22 minutes and 38 seconds. So you're going to get 22 minutes and 38 seconds back. But man, they would have loved to have taken that hour. Um, you know, so you have to, as an organization, you know, that's, that was just one of the things, right. To keep it fair, not as common, but it did happen is we would have actually the other way around where now I was just there for a couple of minutes and then I go in and I look and then it's, well, Oh, you know what? They were there for three minutes and 45 seconds. So, okay. So it's actually three minutes and 45 seconds that you're being awarded back for being there. Right. And, and granted, sometimes it takes more than one person. I've seen it happen before, uh, where we had a rider that was down, uh, it was a knee injury and they had to basically get them off of the course. Now, one person was not going to do that. So the rider that arrived first flagged down the next person and then they assisted and both of them got their time back. And again, the organization could see exactly how long they were there for and they were awarded exactly the time that they were there for. So that's what makes a difference. Now, where you do see some things is, um, yeah, well, did they were they able to rest? Does it I mean, there, there's other stuff, but there are people that play the game. You know, and so the organizations have to watch out for that. So it's always there's always like some kind of procedure to it so that, you know, you can avoid uh, instances like that. Now, you you think about, OK, well, you know, the organization gives the time back and do that. Um, what about other stuff? Right. Other instances where uh, time might be awarded back. Well, in some cases, and I've seen this happen at Baja Rally, is that, oh, you know what? Uh, a ranch hand uh, basically forgot what day it was and saw that the gate was open and said, and closed it, even though the rally had permission to go through there. And they just, you know, it's a simple and honest mistake. Racer shows up to it. You know, you identify where the spot is and then you identify because it's usually corroborated by somebody on the team or somebody on the staff that had to go back and open the gate or do something about it. Um, so there's there's some accountability there. Uh, and then it's the same thing, but again, that's, you know, it, that could be a local thing. It may not happen at all rallies. It just depends on where you're at in the world. Uh, but it is known it could happen. The other one that we have seen, uh, and this will be the, the final example on the race times. And this is something that I've been party to at Baja rally. I've seen at Sonora rally. I've seen at, uh, and, and happened multiple times at the Dakar is a neutralization of the stage. So what that basically means is, okay, something went really sideways and we are going to have to stop the stage 
Now, at that point, it's like, well, wait, not everybody's in the same spot. Generally, what happens, and this is where it hurts, is this: the organization will say, okay, well, everybody cleared this waypoint by this time. You know, there could be, they, they could set a time for it, you know, that they were running behind or whatever it was. Um, you know, there's, there's other calculations, but generally is, okay, at this point, and like Dakar last year, uh, like it was at a gas stop. Right. A lot of competitors. Hey, you know, this is way too rough. There's a lot going on here. Da, 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 da. And so the general consensus was we should not be continuing this event or this stage. So what happens is, is they decide, OK, well, everybody made it through the gas stop. So that's where we're going to stop it. Or the race is to the gas stop. The new finish line is the gas stop. Well, that's all fine and dandy. Times get calculated to that. But there's something very important. All of the fast guys have already gone a further distance. So they've already ridden an additional 50 kilometers, an additional 100 kilometers. They've already risked getting lost. They've already risked getting injured. Um, And now all of a sudden it was for nothing. So that one is where it hurts a little bit. It stings a little bit. So now you got to turn around and say, okay, well, what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do about this? And, And really Generally, there's nothing you can do. I mean, if you called the stage, you said this is where it's going to end. That's where it's going to end. And now you're going to have some racers that are going to be irate and others that are going to be thankful. You know, you can't please everybody, but it does hurt and it does not uh, bode well with the guys that made it past that point. Amateurs or or professionals doesn't matter. Right. You put in an extra effort that the guy behind you didn't have to. And so that makes it a little bit difficult of a pill to swallow either way. The time is accounted for, the time is awarded, uh, and then it contributes to your uh, overall race time, right? And in the end, yeah, one stage, two stages, three stages, everything adds up. So you don't want to accumulate penalties. You want to be on point. The biggest thing is your time management and your navigation. It is way easier in rally to lose time than it is to make up time, which is very, very different when you compare it to the sprint racing type of thing. Losing time can sometimes be a little bit less difficult than making it up, especially with some teams that get creative with their pre-running and, and the certain courses and things that they may run and certain lines, we'll call them. Um, you know, it, it, there's a whole nother world over there. But in Rally Raid, it's all about time management because it is definitely more difficult to make up time. As you guys are going to hear in the uh, episode coming up uh, where we talk with uh, David Pearson, Mike Johnson, uh, about, uh, their, their podiums at the, uh, 2022, uh, Kota rally. Uh, we're going to find out a little bit about it and, and what it means to do time management and, and what that necessarily signifies. But that was the reason for this episode is I just wanted to make sure that, uh, we dropped a little bit of knowledge and everybody kind of got an idea of like, okay, we're getting into rally month. We're going to start seeing race reports. We're going to start seeing, you know, updates and things like that. So we want to make sure that everybody's on the same page and has a general understanding of it. So if you guys have any questions, anything like that, you know, feel free to drop a comment. Don't forget, we've got more rallies coming up. We've got Baja rally coming up. Uh, we've got, and that's in two weeks, a little under two weeks. Uh, and then you're going to have the, uh, Sonora rally coming up just behind that a week after that. So rally month has arrived. We've got a lot going on before the end of the year. So you guys stay tuned. Enjoy. If you guys have any questions, feel free to drop a comment, uh, like subscribe, all of that fun stuff, please. We're grinning, we're growing, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. And we are one more episode officially closer to 100.
that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week. <laughs>